All right, here we are, week two of whatever we're going to call this. I think right now it's sermon recap. That's, that's how we do things with Trace. We just, we call them what they are, sermon series, yeah. Genesis, you know? Yeah, well, last week you at least titled the, the podcast episode itself, Bigfoot and Tetherball. Um, we'll that see. was your title. Well, I'm, I'm glad you listened to me. <laughs> I thought it would be a fun, catchy title. We'll see what emerges uh, from today. Uh, my name is Josh Poor. Uh, if you're listening and you don't know the voices that you're hearing, I'm the uh, worship and community life pastor here. And I'm Avery Thorne, uh, pastor of family discipleship, Trace. And um, Matthew Gilbert, our lead pastor, decided he um, really didn't have much to to think or say about this topic, and so he opted out of this. Uh, No, I'm kidding. Um, Matthew isn't able to be with us today, but that's okay. He'll be joining us next week, and as we mentioned last week, Avery is now on the hot seat because Pastor Avery preached on Sunday from Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31, and before we get into some of the topics that you weren't able to get into in your sermon. I just want to say how thankful I am for you, brother, and how edified I was on Sunday by sitting under your preaching. Um, I mentioned this to you already, but I think it bears repeating for whoever our listeners are uh, to know that I I really was on the edge of my seat. I was hanging on every word. Uh, You did such a great job of sort of setting the scene or setting the stage, um, defining you know, what it, what it really means uh, for us to be made in the image of God, but then, then sort of creating the tension of, of wondering if it has to do with, you know, our, our relationship to God, um, what do we make of the fact that uh, sin entered the world and negatively affected our relationship with God? And right. so the fact that you sort of, you know, kept us waiting for that gospel infusion that you brought uh, it was just really masterful and, and a great way to engage us as listeners. And then, of course, when you did bring the gospel in and the fact that, um, you know, our, our sort of imaging of God can be restored through Christ, it was just this sort of blast of hope, right. you know. So it was just really, really good, really appreciated it. Um, you know, maybe maybe you want to, uh, before we get into stuff that you, you didn't get into in the sermon, maybe just speak to... Um, how you wound up with the, the sort of, I don't know if you know, definition is the right word, but mm-hmm. sort of the, the uh, arrival point, so to speak, of where you landed with what the image of God is and mm-hmm. kind of walk us back through that and what your process was like this past week. Yeah, so um, basically, like I said in the sermon, there are so many ways that people interpret the image of God. Um, and really, uh, I guess to, to begin with, um, you know, you come to the text with some preconceptions and, uh, you know, you already have some ideas that you form prior to actually getting in depth. And, you know, I guess I had a few, but, um, I'm not sure what they were because they vanished so quickly once I started, looking into, uh, you know, what other people have said, because when you get that torrent of information coming in, it, it's almost like, oh man, like, 
I, you know, it could be this, it could be that, and, and it, it almost takes over. Um, but I was really helped by um, Millard Erickson, actually. I'm like... Good old Millard. I'm, yeah, I'm basically the only Millard Erickson uh, apologist out there. I mean, Hey, no, me too. Yeah, I, 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 I thought you were I, all about some Wayne Grudem. Yeah, I, li- I like Grudem too. I think Grudem's mm. really accessible, but uh, we used Erickson in my systematic theology course, and mm-hmm. um, you know, he's a little bit more of a slow burn, but yeah. I really grew to love him and appreciate him and appreciate his perspective. So yeah, yeah. definitely on the, on the Millard bandwagon. Well, all three of us or whoever the, else is out there. Uh, yeah, right. There's, there's uh, the coalition's not strong right now. But uh, anyway, so Millard Erickson, you know, as you know, uh, is a systematic theology. Uh, well, he is not a systematic theology. He is a writer <laughs> who wrote a uh, systematic theology, Christian theology. It's a really big, you know, um, just overview of the faith. He has a whole chapter on the image of God. And one of the ways that he's most helpful is he's really good at overviewing, you know, uh, historic views. And so he kind of lumped um, all of these views into three categories, really. Um, the I, I, I'm going to not remember his, you know, specific terminology, I'm pretty sure. But uh, you had, like, the substantive view, um, which is that the image of God basically is a substance within us or that, you know, we are a substance, which is the image of God or, or you know, however you might want to cut the hair there. Mm-hmm. And even, like, lumped into that view is, like, or in that uh, category is, like, physical image of God, you know, like a physical resemblance to God. Then there is the relational view that, um, you know, basically... Because humans are relational, you know, that's the way that we are in the image of God. Now, the big difference here um, in this view of the relationship uh, being, the, being the image of God is that it's not natural to human beings, as in it is fully something we do, right? It's mm. um, like uh, one of the theologians that, you know, is most famous for espousing it said it's, we're, we're kind of like mirrors and like a mirror does not contain the light at all. It only reflects it. And so in the same way, um, we were made for a relationship with God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the image of God is something we are. It's just, you know, how we relate to God. And then the last view, the last kind is the uh, functional view that it's, the image of God is just purely um, action oriented. So what ended up happening is I, I read those and I was like, I am almost sure that the image of God contains an element of each of these Um, because the image of God is something we are. It's a substance, you know. It's something that is, you know, functionally, like, fundamentally, absolutely true about us regardless of what we do. But, you know, it kind of flows out of us in a couple ways through our relationship and our um, being and acting in God's world. So, um, So you end up with a definition that I gave that the image of God um, is mankind's special status through uh, our relationship to him and God's uh, dominion mandate to us. So, Yeah, that's great. Um, The fact that we can boil it down to having inherent worth and and also inherent responsibility. Mm -hmm. When we think about uh, that creation mandate uh, there Mm -hmm. in verse 28, And God said to them, um, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea uh, and so on and so forth. What 
does, in, I mean, I guess here we can get into a little bit uh, more of what you didn't cover in detail in the sermon. Mm-hmm. What does this tell us about the nature of humans, um, I hate to say verses, but <laughs> uh, in comparison to the nature of other creatures, other, mm-hmm. uh, other aspects of God's creation? Yeah, really in, in verse 28, and you know, this would have been a great thing uh, to bring out in retrospect, but in verse 28, you really see both elements of that, of the way the image of God is actually expressed in the things mm-hmm. we do. Uh, you see both of those kind of come out at the same time where God speaks directly um, to Adam and Eve, and he gives them uh, this mandate, which obviously flows out of this peculiar relationship that he has with them that is just not true of the rest of creation. Then he gives mankind um, a mandate to uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply, and even that purpose, you know, the, the deeper level there is that they have dominion um, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. Um, and so there is an element of authority there, uh, but we can, we can kind of conclude uh, that, there, that that element of authority is meant for the well-being of God's creation. So, you know, uh, God gives this, uh, this image of his to his world for its well-being and its flourishing. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I love, love that you said flourishing there. Yeah. Um, we just to let y'all in. We we joke about the word flourishing. It's such a beautiful word, and it's just probably been overused a little bit. I don't know. I could be wrong there. Maybe you know. I just have I a natural aversion to overused words. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it just needs to. Um, every sermon really could have flourishing in the name somewhere. To be it's, clear, we are pro-human flourishing. We are pro yeah. uh, all of God's creation flourishing, meaning we want everything to be and do very well. Yeah, it's well. I mean, it's live a, long and prosper. It's a general enough word that it could be used in so many contexts, and it like, but it's a good enough sounding word that <laughs> um, you know you can always like. It's been commandeered by. Yeah, you get some points out of it. That's right. And, and there's an element of it being a bit of a shibboleth, you know, to say, you know, tell you what kind of brand of Christianity you <laughs> belong in. So That's, anyway. that's true, that's true. Um, so I think that was a really good point you made, that the authority is clear that God has given to mankind uh, to, to be an authority over and, and have dominion over the earth, but... It's, a, it's, a, it's an authority that's meant to be utilized um, responsibly in a way that uh, sort of brings about good stewardship of and cultivation of um, that which they have authority over. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, of course, this is before sin mm-hmm. has uh, infected human, humankind and mankind and, and has really messed things up. And uh, obviously, as a result of that, and throughout the Bible, and as we know from our own experience, uh, authority as something that exists in the world is often not something that is uh, wielded responsibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that it's given here and it's meant to be used to bring about the flourishing of God's creation, um, you know, it, it kind of gives us a dual truth, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. The first of which being authority 
or any anyone having authority over anything or anyone else is not inherently uh, a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's something that God has created, and even as we know, God has authority over us. He's given us a mandate to have authority over creation, and see that playing out in human relationships too. Um, but that authority is also meant to be used responsibly. So mm-hmm. and that's good yeah. that you brought that out. Yep. Um, all right, so a couple other questions that uh, we, can, we can sort of get into here and just see mm-hmm. where we're at. Um, in verse 26, then God mm-hmm. said, let us make man in our image after mm-hmm. our likeness. So what's right. going on there? Why? Uh, when we when we see God speaking there, when we hear Him speaking, um, He's referring to Himself in the plural. Mm-hmm. So what what do you think is going on there? Yeah. So some people have um, some people have kind of postulated that that is like a um, like a proto Trinitarian statement where um, you know God is uh, referring to Himself in the plural because it's, you know, one person of the Godhead speaking um, to the others. I don't necessarily think that um, because there's so much uh, dominion language and so much um, uh, just just the idea of royalty, you know, being communicated by God's creation and rule over mankind or in, over all of creation. And so I, I think commonly, um, you know, like... Uh, some, some of the more like um, uh, you know dignitaries is the wrong word. Kings, queens, you know, uh, emperors, etc. Like of uh, of this day and age in which the document roughly would have been written. You know, this is this is a common expression referring to royalty. Um, so I think that this is a you know indication of. God's royalty, his his sovereignty over his creation, especially as he then gives that to mankind, because uh, immediately after that says, and let them have dominion, you know, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion and rule over. So mm-hmm. it's it's almost like this, um, setting up God as the king, and then man is like, you know, vice regent. Um, sure. So. Yeah, I would... Um I would differ a little bit there. You know, I, I do think that this points to uh, the Trinitarian aspect of, of God and his character. And I think I would use the principle of Scripture interpreting Scripture. Uh, not that we can't take this text, you know, uh, by its own merits and, you know, ask, ask first and foremost of it, what is, what is this text in and of itself saying as a unit? At the same time, I think we can use... Uh, the rest of Scripture to help us sort of interpret this. And so I would point to the fact that the Spirit's already been mentioned um, in verse Mm -hmm. 1. I mean, sorry, in chapter 1 earlier. I would also point to the fact that in the New Testament, we know that Jesus is is there. We know that he's uh, an agent in creation. And Mm -hmm. so we're aware of that. Um, But what I would also say is that both of these are are faithful views of what's going on in 26. And... um, Avery's Trinitarian theology doesn't hinge on this verse. Right. Nor does my um, understanding of God as ruler and king Mm -hmm. hinge on me interpreting this the way that you do. And so, you know, I don't think either is uh, sort of necessary for having a robust 
understanding mm -hmm. of the Trinity and a robust understanding of the Lord as ruler. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think there's wiggle room there, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So last question that I, I kind of have uh, lingering is, do we have here the idea in verse 30 that Adam and Eve and all of the animals are vegetarians because God says, I have given them every green plant for food, everything that has the breath of life. Um, right, yeah. So are we to deduce from that that they are all vegetarian? And I guess a further deduction could be that they don't become carnivorous until after the fall. No, um, I, well, I don't know. That would, I have to admit, be a, uh, a new idea, um, one that I've not been introduced to. But, I mean, the truth is you can make a theology of anything, um, <laughs> including a theology of vegetarianism. Yeah, um, yep, that's sure, true. I'm sure there is uh, the vegan church of our Lord Jesus Christ out there somewhere. <laughs> um, I think it probably be ordained in it today. Yeah, um, no thanks. Yeah. As long as I'm willing to convert. <laughs> I like steak too much. Right. Um, no, I, you know, just try to not make fun uh, and really answer. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it, it's possible, but it's one of those kinds of like, I don't know, it's, it, it, it's like we've talked about before. It's, you know, stretching the, the passage like in a, um, in a kind of way of like, are we really using it? As God intended to you, you know, I mean, like, uh, like those things are important, and you know, perhaps Scripture can speak to them, but at the same time, it's like, um, you know, this the writer of this passage, you know, Moses, or you know, and and the Lord as He inspired it. I'm not sure that the intention was for us to, you know, gain dietary uh, insight. Right. So well, and and. I think one principle that, um, I mean, I have to often have to remind myself of this as a modern reader, a modern thinker, we need to be careful not to impose our modern ways of reading and thinking um, onto the scriptures. It's often in the scriptures that when a statement is made, it's not meant to be an exhaustive statement. Right. You know, and so for the author of Genesis to write of, of God that he said, and we believe that God said this because we believe this really happened, I have given every green plant for food. That doesn't mean he's only given them every green plant for food. Mm -hmm. You know, um, again, we are told what we need to know, not everything there is to know uh, from the text. And so at the very least, we can affirm that they were able to eat plants. Right. And, um, and, and beyond that, it, you know, it's difficult to know. Now, I realize, uh, you know, there, there is a, there's a stream of, or a school of thought out there that says, when death entered the world, um, it came as a result of the fall, mm -hmm. and that applies not just to humans, but to the animal kingdom as well. Mm -hmm. um, that could be the case, and so it very well could be that prior to the fall, they were vegetarians. Uh, but there's also Perhaps. a school of thought out there that says when death entered the world, it only applied to humans, yep. that uh, animals were already eating each other. Uh, right. before the fall. And so there's different ways of looking at that. And not to mention, um, when you get to the next book um, in the uh, 
in the Bible, when you get to Exodus, um, and you see God's, uh, God's law that he gives to Israel, there are, specific, um, there are specific instances of allowing, you know, eating uh, of animals. And, you know, believing that to be a, like, a specific application of God's moral law and the Ten Commandments, I don't know, the ethical principles there um, begin to be tough to unwind, you know, and like the, uh, the authority of Scripture, like the, uh, the rightness of God's commands, it begins to get murky, if you say. Um, you know, God uh, was allowing and even um, encouraging people to do something that was sinful, so... Yeah, and, you know, we also know that's not true because he tells Noah after the flood that he could eat animals. Right, yeah. So, so you know, uh, we know at the very least it's not sinful. And let us, let us sort of put our stake in the ground here as two of the pastors. Stake in the ground? There you go. Pun let's not intended, on the grill. but I wish it was. Let us put our stake on the grill right now as two of the pastors. Maybe this is why Matthew bailed. Maybe he's a, a closet vegetarian. I don't know, but... Um, as, as, as at least two of the pastors here at Trace Crossing, we are saying it's not a sin to eat meat. We believe that. And maybe that's where we should leave it, uh, unless, Avery, you have anything else to add. Um, uh, I think we've... Are you talking about to the larger discussion or this discussion about eating meat? Oh, yeah, I guess we could talk about eating meat for a while. I know that you're, yeah, you're no. quite the grill master, right? No. I'm... What's the best piece of meat that you've ever smoked or grilled? Mm. It's it's nothing, nothing crazy. I don't. I'm not exactly like a spend a you know, hundred bucks on a steak kind of guy. But uh, just a probably just um, probably just a uh, really simple um, ribeye or you know we've mm. had some uh, we had some pretty good steaks come out of that that cow that we went into to buy together. Um, those were oh yeah for those of you that don't know. Recently. Avery and another staff member, uh, Rob and I, all went in together on a cow, and it was right yeah. over here in the kitchen that we... We went in together to buy one. We didn't go in together to steal one or to hunt <laughs> one or anything like That's that. That's true. We didn't, no, we did not go hunting for a cow. We bought it, it was frozen, we took the meat home, and hopefully it lasts a while. It was actually a great thing to do uh, uh, in, in the middle of... Court. I think at that time we were still in the middle of all the quarantine stuff, yeah. so... It was, a, it was a good decision. All right, I think we've exhausted um, the conversation for today. We thank you so much for, for joining us. Avery, again, was very encouraged and challenged by the message on Sunday. Um, we hope that you continue coming back to us. Uh, as Avery said last week, we're just a few average Joes trying to <laughs> figure this thing out. We appreciate your patience and grace with us, and we look forward to uh, talking more next week. Peace.